Hello, and welcome to Writer's Group Therapy. I'm Tom. And I'm Roshni. We're writers helping writers with whatever writing ailments you might have. Whether it's related to your craft or your career, we can help. Are you ready for your session? The The doctors doctors are are in. in. Well, hello, Tom. It's good to talk with you again. Who are you? I know, right? It's been... Oh Roshni. my gosh, what? Roshni's back. <laughs> oh, it's so... I missed you. Oh my I, gosh, I, I missed I, being on the show. And you had some amazing interviews too while I was gone. It's been it's been fun. I oh. mean, I've, I'm, I'm lucky that I've had such great guests to interview because uh, when, it, when it's just you and me, uh, you, you know, I'm, you, you do a lot of the work. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's been amazing. I'm, I'm so sorry I had to leave you in the lurch. I just... You know, I don't know what it was. It was like the industry just suddenly, it wasn't even like trickle. It was like floodgate. It was like the dam burst and it was like everything. So for all of you out there who are like, hey, is Hollywood dead? The answer is no, it is definitely not dead. It's coming back to roaring life. So yes, (laughs) lots of good stuff going on. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you've been so busy, but we missed you here and it's glad to have you back. And speaking of the business of Hollywood, uh, Hollywood is here to make money, and uh, and that money has to be earned back somehow by people, and uh, and uh, it costs a lot of money sometimes to to get into entertainment, doesn't it? Just a little bit, just a tad. Yeah. It's it's amazing when you really think about it, how kind of how big of a barrier to entry it is to break into it and how even big of a barrier it is to consume it. But we'll break down both sides. So, yeah, no, it's true. Um, Getting into the business, uh, you'd think would be pretty easy, you know, like go to an acting class or, you know, take a writing class. But it's so much more than that. You know, first of all, just being in L.A., which, you know, you don't have to be, but it helps. You know, that's an expense just off the bat, living expenses. Not even L.A., any city center like New York or Atlanta, you know, even Mm -hmm. I think Austin's kind of Texas is kind of like a space to watch, I feel. But yeah, Austin, you know, now that everyone's moving there is going to be expensive, I'm sure. So any of the major city centers, you know, just cost of living. I mean, even taking it back, training, like you said, um, depending on what it is you want to do. Acting is a great example. Headshots, coaches, training, uh, costumes, makeup, hair products. What, what else am I missing? You know, well, not to mention just uh, the, the coordinating it all. You know, you have to market yourself. Mm-hmm. You have to, you know, you have to, you have to go to auditions. You know, for things that you're not going to get. So you're doing a lot of work that you're not getting paid to do on top of it. And it is not true what they say about. There's this. Uh, I don't know if it's an urban legend. It's a myth that if you get a ticket on an audition, like a parking ticket, it means you'll get the job. That is not true. I got a parking <laughs> ticket. I was out $64 and I did not get the job. So don't believe that and look at the that's signs. A, that's an urban myth of Hollywood. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, let's see. Writing. I was thinking about things that writers have to spend to be in the business. Uh, well, if you want to get noticed, sometimes you got to do spend some money on contests, submit your, your scripts to contests. Um, getting coverage, um, services like Ink Tip, Stage Thirty Two, The Blacklist—they all cost money if you want to use those. Otherwise, you know, you can do it the old-fashioned way, just by knocking on doors, making phone calls, sending emails. But 
it seems like uh, contests, you know, are are one way to go. So that's an expense. I would think where a writer would spend their most money would be on a good computer and on Final Draft. Oh, Final Draft is not cheap. And, you know, yeah. and, and it's kind of the industry standard, but it's not the only one. But, you know, even the ones that used to, they used to have some that were free, but like Script Buddy and Celtics or I don't know if that's still free Celtics for a limited Celtics, amount. Celtics or Celtics, yeah. I think it's subscription-based now. Now they're all yeah. subscription-based, yeah. And have you noticed that some of the, the writing programs, they don't necessarily play nice with Final Draft. They sort of oh, play no, nice, but not really. So it's like you might as well just get the standard version instead of like trying to because trust me, I've tried yeah. to do like the workarounds and you're just like, uh, might as well pony up the money and buy Final Draft, you know. And I don't even know if the mobile version of Final Draft, which is only like ten dollars, works if you don't have the full version. That's the weird part of that. So you, you, I think I think you have to have the, the desktop version. I could be wrong there. You might have oh, to have the desktop version to yeah. use the mobile version. Yeah. Obviously, if you have the mobile version only and you're writing on there, you can't exactly transfer it to anything else unless you have the desktop version. You can't, you know, the buying the mobile version doesn't get you the, the desktop version. Well, you know, what's funny when when I had the mobile version, I can't use it on my phone. My phone is like for me, my phone is for quick notes. I can't write a whole script on my phone. So then there's another cost if you want to buy like an iPad or something. So you can actually use the mobile version of Final Draft. <laughs> and that's oh, pricey. Okay. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That's already right. like five mm-hmm. to eight hundred right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You need an iPad. You need a, a tablet of some sort. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's a Windows version actually or not. I don't I don't think there is. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're kind of, you know, the industry was creative and that was Mac and that whole thing. So, <laughs> yeah, I you know, what's funny is I feel like writers can kind of get away, especially now with like everyone going to Zoom. You can kind of get away without a car and all the associated payments, you know, unless you want to be like a writer director or something like that. But I do feel yeah. besides the besides the things like ink tip, also the classes. You know, and I'm not talking like, I mean, there's workshops and stuff out there that are, you know, like one day workshops. But like if you really want to do like UCLA extension or like, you know, classes out of USC or whatever like that, like a continuing education, that's expensive. Those are a couple thousand. Oh, exactly. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> fortunately, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just using whatever I can find on YouTube. And uh, and I don't know. I got some books, you know, Save the Cat's not particularly expensive. And you have the library. You can always get, get books from the library, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, you know, there, that's, I think the writing is actually probably one of the cheaper of all the aspects of the entertainment business because you can do it anywhere. Um, you, you don't have to, like, run around and do stuff as much until you get into, like, networking and things or going, going to events and seminars. Mm-hmm. But I would say for writing, for really anything, but I would think for writing, especially if you're writing outside of an industry center, yeah, you could probably take classes at your local community college. But then if you're going for like, like, let's say like you're in Ohio and you're like, I want to write for the L.A. market, but I want to stay in Ohio, which people have done that. You probably want to take classes that are L.A. based. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm, Because not saying that the people where you're at don't have anything of value, but like they might not have the right credentials. They might not have up to date information. You know what I mean? And then you'll just spend your money somewhere that you really shouldn't have. Yeah. 
You're like, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. I can hear, I can yeah. see the wheels turning your head. Like, hmm, should I? Maybe I should cancel that class at the community college. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me uh, give me a second here. Uh, the that side of it, yeah, the writing yeah. side of it, all the all the education and all the networking and the submissions and stuff. That's where most of your expenses on writing. But like, have you ever thought, real quick, before we pivot to the other side? So I always thought that it's kind of like sports you know i don't know do you really follow sports a lot or not really i'm from cleveland i don't follow sports oh come on isn't football (laughs) like a thing out there or whatever but like have you ever Uh, noticed like certain sports have i mean not to sound whatever but like there's more diversity in certain sports because there's a lower barrier to entry it's really easy to play football it's really easy to play basketball you don't need a lot of equipment and if you do the equipment is cheap but hockey Hey, I'm from Michigan. And have you ever noticed a lot of people in hockey? You know what I'm saying? Because what do you mm-hmm. need? You need expensive equipment. You need a rink. You need rental time. You know, you need access to those places. It's not like you can just pick up and mm-hmm. skate on a court. They don't have those, you know. So it's really interesting when you look at the economics of sports and who's in them, you know. And it's kind of the same thing with entertainment, aside from the dynasties, right, of directors who produce actor children and you know like that mm-hmm. a lot of people stay in the industry and and learn from their parents but yeah i mean you know i think i mean i i'm i have this you know kind of want to be jaded at all but yeah there's the actor or the writer who's you know living in a fancy apartment in you know downtown la and they don't have to have a day job because they've got you know whatever trust fund and those kinds of things are sometimes there's some international folks and stuff like that Mm -hmm. so yeah there are people who who uh who can play actor or play writer and they don't have to work as hard as some some people so there is a division in that respect so yeah and any in any place any industry there's going to be that where you know if you're if you're coming from the bottom you have to work harder because you have to get over that minimum hump of expenses and living and you have to work a day job and a freelance job and all of that just so you can do your craft. Yeah. So there is some of that. But not, it's not, I, I never really ran into it that much. I don't know, maybe you really? did on the actor side more, huh. but I never, not, not on the writer side. You never much. really noticed it, huh? Not as much. Huh. I mean, I know it, ex- I know it's out there and because I know like, you know, not somebody's renting those $3,000, you know, apartments in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. The one thing I was going to say, though, going from writing, you know, one of the things I was taught by some of my mentors was, you know, the do it yourself route. And you've done it and I've done it. We've made short films. We've done podcasts that costs money. That's production. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. So getting into the business that way, lots of money. You know, yes, if you have friends, if you're not if you're not in L.A., you can get friends to do stuff for free, probably, but not so much in L.A. But it costs money. You need equipment. You have to rent stuff. You have to get permits. You have to have insurance. You have to hire you know crew you have to try to pay people you have to at least feed people you know so it costs a lot of money to to get into the business by the do-it-yourself method and i will say for writers especially now because i think a lot of things are kind of going not a hundred percent diy but like maybe 50 percent diy at the very least even if you can't find funding to produce your first feature you need a sizzle reel You know, that's your Mm -hmm. calling card, even as a writer. And that's still going to put you back, you know, at least I would say 10 grand. 
and that's cheap. Uh, yeah, <laughs> certainly. I mean, the idea that um, you can just submit a script and get a deal or sell a script, it's, you know, you literally have to put something visual in front of these development executives mm-hmm. that you're pitching to because most of them don't have time to read all the scripts they get handed and they don't want to and they don't know who you are unless you're a, a big name that they already know, you know, they're they're not going to get interested. So how do you get them interested? That's by doing some kind of proof of concept short video or a sizzle reel, like you said. Yeah, that gets you more attention. And again, costs some money. There are some there are some lower budget ways to do it using stock video and stuff like that to kind of create very limited sizzle reels where it's not like really your story, but it's kind of like a almost like a a mood mood book kind of thing but for NVIDIA. Yeah, I've seen those. I feel like I feel like you can go a couple ways with that. Like if I was going to do like what you're saying, like that visual mood board, that would be for internal pitching only. I wouldn't put that on YouTube or Kickstarter or something to try to get funding. You no, know, yeah, you wouldn't want, no. it's strictly for just like pitching to executives and nobody else outside of the boardroom sees it. But if you're trying to get eyes on it to get interest to get people to donate to you or just to get interest so people there's a buzz then you do need to do something original Mm -hmm. you know yeah yeah (laughs) oh i've missed chatting with you (laughs) yes we keep we're so speechless now (laughs) but how about on the other end i mean so that's just to get into the industry but what about just watching it well, yeah, it used to be you had over-the-air television with commercials, and all you had to do was buy the TV, and then you had your entertainment. And if you wanted to go to the movies, that was, what, a quarter? A <laughs> quarter? Oh, my gosh. I, not not in my lifetime, but you know what I'm saying. It, it, it's come a long way, yeah. obviously, from a few bucks to, you know, you can spend 15 to $20 to go to a movie now. What's the going rate out where you are? It's not that high, actually. It's still like seven or eight bucks. For a, yeah. a nighttime show? Uh, maybe that's like a matinee. Okay, I think. that's good. It's not bad. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's actually like half of what it is in LA. Uh, that's like a so. third of what it is in LA. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> oh my it's... gosh, that's amazing. Yeah, although I haven't been to the movies much, so you better take advantage uh, of that. Oh my word! Well, uh, waiting for the 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 infection rate to drop. Okay, but... fair enough. All right. Yeah, <laughs> I, and I I still will probably only go to like matinees when no one else is there. Yeah. But still, it's it, I do it also to save money. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I am cheap. Yeah. Uh, but no, the I you know actually it's kind of exciting with all the competition in the streaming space. You know, it does add up if you've got Hulu and Amazon, and Amazon's raising their rates. Netflix, Netflix is raising their rates. Uh, now you've got you know HBO Max, you've got uh, Paramount Plus, um, Peacock, uh, and then the, the multitude of others you know, are all, it all adds up, you know, maybe yeah. you get, maybe you cut the cable, but it's more like you cut up the cable into little chunks and now you're paying for it again. In separate chunks. Yeah. 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 Uh, maybe it's not a hundred dollars like it used to be, but you still have to pay for your internet first and that can be 40, 50 bucks a month or more. And then you start adding 10, 15 bucks a piece on top of that. And you're back up to a hundred dollars pretty quickly. And I mean, like, I know there's workarounds, but like, you probably have to buy a smart TV to work all of that stuff. Or you buy the little like 
what is it like the fire stick or whatever you know what i mean on older yeah. tvs you still need the to do Chromecast a workaround or yeah the, or the roku the roku stick those are relatively cheap now they can be 20 25 bucks uh, so that's not bad. I mean, if you want to get into like Apple TV, then those are, you know, 150 or more. Uh, and some of the other boxes, you know, that you can get are a little more expensive. Mm-hmm. But there might be a startup cost if you're like, well, I needed a new TV anyway. Great. Now I got to buy a smart TV for like 500. I don't know. I don't even know what they're going. 500 is probably cheap. But... It dep- well, you might be tempted by some of the new big screens and OLED screens, but mm-hmm. TVs in general have come down in price over the years. So that that aspect of it is is much more reasonable. It's not cheap. And then there's the factor of, do they last very long? I had some that I had a TV that was pretty nice, but it just died on me one day. And, you know, they cost more to repair than they do to just buy a new one. Yeah. Yeah. This is a random aside. And then we'll get back to the actual discussion. But I just realized because we just had the Super Bowl, right, a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And usually you see a lot of ads for TVs. I don't remember seeing anything. And usually you see like you know, all the boxes of the people who, you know, but they buy the new TVs and they're all sitting by the dumpster. I didn't see anything. Right. Did anybody buy a new TV this year? If you did, like, let us know in Twitter or wherever. Yeah. Be like, did, did you buy a new TV? Because I feel like mm-hmm. nobody did. What what was going on anyway? Um, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, maybe it's because because of uh, the pandemic, people bought new TVs earlier in the pandemic. Oh, yeah. Because they knew they were going to be home a lot. So they might have they might have already gotten their big new screen, you know, TV. Oh, that's so. funny. Because, yeah, it's usually yeah. Super Bowl time that they're like, hey, we have a TV special. And I just I do not remember seeing any ads for uh. discounted TVs. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I actually have a I have a tip, though. I just um, literally I just subscribed to Paramount Plus. They had a birthday special of like uh, a buck a month for the first three months. Mm. So that's a steal. If somebody's looking to try uh, P, uh, Paramount Plus, because uh, I know there's a new episode, a new season of uh, the one of the Star Trek shows coming out, Star Trek Picard with Patrick Stewart. Wait, I thought out. that was on CBS. Paramount Plus is CBS. Oh my gosh! Oh really? CBS, yeah, and that's the confusing. That's the other confusing thing is keeping them all straight. CBS All Access became Paramount Plus. Oh, and they wrapped and they wrapped in other things into it. I think they're wrapping Showtime into it as well, and some other some other. Oh, that's the plus. Yeah, that's so confusing. And Peacock is what NBC Universal, and you know so. It's so hard to keep track yeah. of who's on what platform now. Right? Yeah, and then of course, like you were saying, you have to pay for it all and all that. And and it changes. Like you used to go to Netflix to get all the Marvel TV shows, but now they're off of Netflix, and now you have to go to Disney Plus to get the Marvel TV shows. So, so confusing. All, yeah. So things are shifting around as, as as the um as the networks as the studios kind of become walled off, you know, uh, fiefdoms of their own content. Uh, you see the licensing deals start to evaporate from different places. Mm-hmm. You know, Hulu was, um, you know, was a joint deal between ABC, uh, NBC and Fox. But um, Disney bought Fox, so they own more of it. And then NBC is probably going to be bought out and then their stuff's going to leave and go to um, Peacock, which is NBC, obviously. Oh, my gosh. My head is spinning <laughs> trying to follow all yeah. of this. Oh, so my word. all of us who thought we hated the cable company. Um, for charging us so much for getting all of our stuff conveniently in one place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like a little bit of an idiot now. You can be careful what you wish for. Okay. Now, now you have to do all this mind work to figure out where everything, where everything is. is. So, okay. Like, like I never had cable. My mom had it after I moved out. So I don't really know the price, but basic cable is what, like 20 a month. I honestly don't know. Like, like literally basic, basic cable, like, 
like just your basic, you know, local stations yeah. and maybe a handful of cable networks. Yeah. I, something like that. I maybe. feel I, like I it was know. really cheap, like definitely under 50. And it's only if you wanted like, you know, AMC or Turner Classic Movies or something that it got, you know, because you're paying for the extras. So let's say cable is like, we'll say 30 a month with inflation. But each streaming service, and they vary in price, they run anywhere from like 10 to 15 or higher, don't they? Mm-hmm. What's yeah, the highest, I'm, like, do you know? Like, what's the highest streaming? Uh, I think HBO Max is normally about $15 a month. Netflix is going up to, uh, what's I, it just went up. I think it's going up to 16 or $17 okay. uh, dollars a month. Let's so that's see, like uh, 20 about 20 a month. And the premium how, plan is 20 yeah. How many did we say we had? Netflix, Hulu. I didn't count. Netflix, Hulu, Paramount, Disney. Uh, Amazon. Amazon, Apple. Peacock. All right. I'm already up to seven. Am I missing any? Oh, HBO, eight. HBO, yeah. Times 20 for each. <laughs> you know? Something like that. You just yeah. paid 160 for, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, and my you word. you don't have the option now. You know, you used to have the option of pay t- TV or broadcast. You still, I guess you still have over-the-air broadcast. That's always still an option. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's... You used to be able to get, like, almost, you know, everything on broadcast. But now... I'd say the bulk of, you know, quote unquote TV is streaming. Yeah. And most of the, you know, most of the Emmy nominated shows and things are on streaming now. And not just so, okay, we've already spent, let's say we'll round up. We'll say we spent 200 a month on all of these, you know, apps because we wanted to watch everything. But then you also get into the issue of like when, uh, HBO or Disney were like, Hey, we have a new movie and you can spend $20 on top of the sub fee to watch the new movie at home. Right. Now that in some cases can be a deal. If you have a family, obviously that's going to be a huge deal because you could pay $30 to see a film at home with your own popcorn for 50 cents. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, you, your wife and your four kids, you know, for 30 bucks and you could bring in pizza for an extra 10 or 20. Whereas if you went to the theater, you know, for six people, now you're talking $100 or more, 150 plus, you you know, the popcorn and everything else. In in some respects, it's great. But, but what I will they're, say. They're making out on the, on the people like you and me. Yeah. Just one, of, one person that's, or two people. That's true. But the other thing I would argue. So one thing my husband and I really like noticed, I guess, during the pandemic, there would be places here like, you know, higher end restaurants, maybe you know, in the $30 plate range or something that we would Mm. love going to, but we didn't want to order out because it just, it was like the food wasn't as good when you took it home. And a lot of it was you're paying for the atmosphere, but that's fine. You don't mind it because you liked going and the the place looked beautiful and you had a nice night out and someone brought the food to your table and you were just in a different environment. And yes, you might be saving money for your family to watch at home, but you're still in your dirty living room. The kids' toys are everywhere. The cat threw up in the corner. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't have that, like, let me just, it's something mental. It just, it's nice to get away from it for a while. Yeah. You know? No, absolutely. No, there, there's there's nothing like sitting in, a, in the big theater with the big screen and the speakers all around you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's still worth it for that experience. I wish it wasn't so expensive, uh, but you know, then they came up with things like a list for people who love to go to the movies. So that's another way you can mitigate the cost is if you do that. Now, again, if you have a family, now you have to buy a membership for each person. And I don't think they've come up with a family 
plan version of that yet. Yeah, yeah. for like what was it AMC stubs or whatever they call it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They, I thought they heard they might be doing something like that, but I don't know if they actually came out with it. I haven't been looking at that for the, recently though. Oh, they're gonna have to do something to get people back. I mean, I think I saw recently like they're back in the black, like things are getting better. But yeah, like mm-hmm. just to compete with all of that stuff, the streaming stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's already a barrier to consumption, 200 bucks mm-hmm. a month. I mean, are there any other things as far as like, I mean, even even as writers, because I know they tell us like you should have all the apps, right? Because like it's research. But I was like, oh, my gosh, like I don't want to spend that much money. Oh, yeah. I always wondered if I could deduct my Netflix because I'm researching all these things. You can actually yeah yeah although i think i mean this is a whole nother discussion it's harder to deduct things but in theory yes you can but you have to be able to prove it okay guys don't just buy netflix and say that you're doing research quote unquote you actually have to be you need a a letter from your boss saying (laughs) i require my employee to have all these services right yeah the joys of freelance yeah i'm trying to think (laughs) What if they check to see what you're watching? It's like, uh, all you watch is The Walking Dead. It's like, <laughs> what is that all your research? Uh, I'm working on a zombie movie. I, I for really kids? What? <laughs> a zombie movie for kids. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we need. I think that's excellent. Actually, yeah. that would be fun. So I'm trying to think yeah. what other like economic barriers would be would there be for consumption besides the streaming, which I think is already kind of crazy. Uh, well, the other thing is going to be um, if you're if you're talking about going to the movie theaters, it's it's kind of the uh, uh, the desert of not having a theater near you or, or you know, uh, especially with the theaters closing during the pandemic, uh, especially in urban areas or in rural areas, you might not have a theater anywhere near you. So you might have to drive a long way to go to one or, you know, it might be a real special event to do that. Mm hmm. You know, they they talk about it with like like um, food deserts where people don't have grocery stores in some urban areas, or they have only have very small ones that have very high prices. You know, if you're in a major city, um, yeah, you probably have theaters, but they're more expensive. Um, but if you're out in the in a rural area, you might not have one close by you. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't think about that. So then you might have to get satellite dish. You know, so yeah. you might not even have cable in early, uh, you know, they talk about getting broadband to rural areas. It's a real issue mm-hmm. because, you know, it's all about population density for a cable company to run the wires out to a, you know, a, a tiny little town that has 50 people in it, you know, but they're running miles and miles and miles of wire to get there. That's extremely expensive. It's going to take a long time to recoup your money versus, you know, wiring a suburb that has, you know, a density that's a hundred times greater. Huh. Interesting. So then that's why some of those those areas wind up uh, are, you know, Starlink is the new uh, SpaceX uh, satellite Internet service that's coming online as they keep launching more satellites every few weeks. Um, They're going to be able to provide high speed Internet to, you know, most of the planet. So places that never had, you know, let alone having cable, had never had Internet or anything before. will have, have access to that. So that'll be a nice, uh, you know, it's not cheap, not not yet anyway. It might, maybe the price will go down once they get, you know, more established in the market. But um, I can't remember what those units call or cost uh, these days. Starlink costs. Oh, it looks like oh, it's five hundred dollars for the hardware and a hundred dollars a month for the for the service. So wow. that's not cheap. But if you live out in the middle of nowhere, it might be your only option. 
And if you live out in the middle of nowhere, you don't spend money on anything else. So That's true. Yeah, that's <laughs> so true. You can afford it, I guess. But you're spending more on everything, like just to get food yeah. in and transportation mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Yeah. So you probably have Amazon Prime already. <laughs> if you can get Amazon, right? Right. Or like the Wi-Fi connection or whatever, too. Yeah. You know, isn't that the weirdest thing, though? Amazon Prime is is the only streaming service that really wasn't a streaming service to begin with. It started as a, a shipping service, like a, you know, a membership in Amazon. So you didn't have to pay for shipping. And then they added all the stuff to it, the music mm-hmm. and the video. So it's hard to, it's hard to d- separate the two. Yeah. When you pay for Amazon prime, obviously you're getting more than just a, sub- a, a TV subscription service. Although just side tangent on the Amazon prime thing you don't get the entire catalog, some things you still have to pay for. So that's also yeah. another barrier to entry because you're paying the subscription fee to have Prime, which I believe is actually going up, I, I want to say, mm-hmm. too. It is like $20, I think, a yeah. year it's going up. So you're paying for that, but then you, also you might not get every movie that you want, and then you got to pay for the movie, either renting it or buying it. So Yeah, that I find that the major annoyance on their platform is that they have the little free with Prime you know, banner on, mm-hmm. on, on, every, on the things that are free. And then there's all the other stuff. Yeah. And it's all mixed together. So it's very annoying. I know it would be nice on Prime if at least you knew like, okay, movies before 1970 are free or something like that. So you kind of had an idea of like what you would get, but it's, there's no rhyme or reason for what's free and what you have to pay for. I've noticed. I mean, yeah, in general, it's the new stuff, the theatrical stuff that's coming on, but it's also, it's not true because a lot of their stuff is just straight to video on demand. Um, in fact, our movies are on there, uh, Reclamation and Synesthesia, and they were free to watch if you had a Prime membership, but then Amazon changed their system. I don't know why, what, how they figured it out, but suddenly short films, at least ours, were no longer eligible f- to be watched for free, so they, they really? had to be rented. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that's why I put them on Vimeo for free. Put those links in the show notes. You can watch something for free. <laughs> But yeah, so because I wanted people to see them, so I, I didn't think people were going to pay even, I think it was a buck or something for a 12-minute short film. Although we do get some royalties still from that, so maybe maybe people are paying to watch it. That's weird, but huh. thank you if you are. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. I mean, this is a side conversation. We don't need to go down this rabbit hole here, but I was just thinking, too, that, um, you know, things like Vimeo, I would never think to watch anything on Vimeo. Because to me, it was always used as like an internal industry thing to share high quality video with other like filmmakers. But it wasn't ever meant to be like a YouTube type platform where you consume new things. And I know it like it has that aspect of it, but I never it's branding. You know what I mean? Like I'm stuck on the old Mm -hmm. branding. So that's just that was just a random aside. But yeah, no, no, it's Vimeo is kind of it's an odd duck. It it really started as a video hosting platform, not as a a content distribution channel. It was more for businesses or individuals to post their stuff in order to submit it and send it to places Mm -hmm. um, or to share it on their websites and stuff like that. But um, they do have a lot of content on there. It's, I I don't know that it's as easy to search as you might think, but um, you know, as a YouTube or whatnot, Uh, but there's a ton of, ton of content on Vimeo. I know. And it's surprising. It's just not, it's just not what I would, you know, it's not my first thought when I'm like, oh, I want to watch mm-hmm. something new. I'm not like, oh, I'll go on Vimeo because no, to me, no. Vimeo is where they go and they send me my stuff so I can put it on my reel. <laughs> That's Vimeo, yeah. you know? So, mm-hmm. huh. 
Well, one, let's end on this question then. So what do you spend your most, where do you spend most of your entertainment time watching things? What's your number one platform? And let's add in why. For me, it's YouTube and mostly because it's free. Good answer. Yeah. yeah. I, I probably, I haven't added it up, but as for hour per hour, I probably spend, watch more YouTube. It's probably really close to Twitch because I watch a lot of Twitch too, mm-hmm. which is interesting because that's a whole different kind of content. Yeah. But um, I watch a lot of YouTube, a lot of Twitch, and even broadcast stuff I watch on YouTube. So I watch yes. like the NBC News on YouTube. Yep. I'll do that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that, yeah, it's interesting. We both had the same answer there. Yeah. And you do it because it's free also? Uh, it's excessive. I think it's more of, a, I mean, I watch it because it's free, but I watch it because it's accessible. You know, I don't have cable, so I don't have those broadcast channels. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the broadcast stuff winds up on there. If it's not on one of the streaming platforms, I do subscribe to. Well, here's one interesting thing about, I know we said we would end this discussion. We're still going. Um, one last thing. One last yeah. thing. But you know, another thing, I think why YouTube is not just accessible, but it's easy because one of the YouTube creators I was watching for a while made a comment about how YouTube is not necessarily a content platform. It is a video search engine. Mm-hmm. And and that actually makes a difference if you do YouTube videos, like your keywords and all that stuff makes the difference, like what you put in your titles, because it functions. I mean, it's bought by Google, right? It's a Google platform, I believe. And it functions like a search engine. And so when I'm watching stuff, yeah, it's really easy to be like, you know, current events, you know, whatever the days and it comes up or, you know, I want to watch how uh, how to do something video or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it functions like a search engine versus like if you watch Netflix or whatever, you have to scroll. You have to know exactly what you're looking for in a way, you know, like you have to know the title of the thing. Mm -hmm. You can't just be like, (laughs) really, really funny story. What was it that I was looking for for my mom? (sighs) I'm trying to remember what the search was. I can't remember exactly. I think it was something Christmas, but it was also like, I just, I wish I could remember the exact word. It was something completely different, but it kept like giving me porn stuff. And I was like, that's not what oh I want. Gosh. But like, I forgot, I forget what the word was that I was looking for. It was something really innocuous, like, you know, romance or Christmas romance or something. But like whatever word I kept putting in, they kept giving me porn sites. And I'm like, you're not searching the way I want you to. We've never watched mm-hmm. porn on Netflix. We're never gonna. Like, I don't know why it thinks that I want this, you know? So that's what I'm saying. Like, it's a weird like you kind of have to know exactly the title of what you it's want. It's your cats. Your cats are searching for it's, porn maybe on they YouTube, are on your computer when you're not around. Maybe they are. Yeah, and so once you once you get into that groove, they lock onto that and they keep sending you the same stuff. Bad kitties, no treats <laughs> there for <you> them. Go. <laughs> so anyway, how about for all of you? What do you guys like to consume your media on? Let us know. How much do you spend? Oh my gosh, <laughs> let us know that. In the meantime, thanks for listening to our podcast for free. (laughs) 